Have a day of solitude, to mature beyond the prevailing superficiality. Okay, let's talk about some how-tos. How do we do this? Now, I want to kind of um, um, fully agree with what Brett shared with us yesterday. I'm going to share with you more of my own journey, my own practices. And I'm going to do this to give you a pool to choose from. Your situation is going to be unique. All of our situation is unique. This is not legalism. This is discipline. How does a pitcher learn to pitch? Well, probably every major league pitcher has a different routine they go through. Some similarities, but probably some differences as well. So this is not legalism. It's practices to open the inner life up to God for his transforming presence. That's what it is. So, how to have a day of solitude. Point number one. Choose a day least vulnerable to distractions. So the great enemy of solitude is distractions. Plan ahead to cover eventualities. Now, Brett was sharing with us, his day is Monday. My day is Thursday. My day is Thursday. And my context knows that. We were on a telephone call not long ago. We have in Antioch Network a teaching team. And uh, we were deciding our next meeting, and we got to the point where a number of people wanted to meet on a certain Thursday. And Jason Knox, I was, I was agreeing, yeah, let's meet on that Thursday. And Jason Knox said to me, George, isn't Thursday your quiet day? So my context knows what my quiet day is. And my answer to Jason is, yes, Thursday is my quiet day, but I will have just come off a quiet week. <laughs> that week, I'm ready to give my Thursday to uh, catch up. So, but... My context knows. My number one context is Hannah. Her job on Thursday is to answer the phone. And I actually have written it out for her because it's, I don't know why it's hard for her, but if somebody calls and wants to talk to me, what she wants to do is come and ask me, do I want to talk to this person? The minute she does that, the person knows. So I write it out to her. George is not available right now. May I take a message? That's. So she's got that written out. So who is your context that needs to know that you're going to have this day in quiet? Communicate with them. Involve them. Let them know what's going on. Your context is an important part of the protection of the sacredness of that day. Now, point number two. We were talking last night about the Messianic movement helping us in this. In Judaism, the day begins at sundown. So, let your day of solitude begin at sundown the night before. That's when the day begins, sundown. Begin your day at sundown after supper. 
see the period between supper and going to bed as time to plan for the coming day. Now, this is a good practice, whatever you do. It's better to plan the next day between supper and going to bed than it is the first thing the next day. It's better. Why? Because the first thing the next day, already things can happen. So that's, I find that a helpful rule of life. And my quiet day begins after supper on Wednesday. That's when the quiet day begins. Next point. Go to bed early. Go to bed early. How early? My goal is between 7 and 8 in the evening to go to bed. Well, you say, George, you're really radical. <laughs> you say, you're really radical. That actually sounds awesome. I'll be honest. 7 to 8 in the evening is my goal. Now, I don't always make it. You know, last night it was quarter to 10. So we're not talking legalism. We're talking discipline. We're talking practices. And we're talking intentionality because the most helpful time in the day for solitude is first thing in the morning. We wake up in solitude. Generally speaking. Of course, sleep can be disturbed. That's true. We wake up in solitude. If you try to get solitude 3 o'clock in the afternoon, suppose that works in your schedule, then of course do it. But okay, you, you come to 3 o'clock in the afternoon and you're into solitude. But at one minute past 3, you're not yet in solitude. Your mind is going. Your emotions are going. You're, so you're going to take, if you start at 3 in the afternoon, you're going to take some time for the soul to clear. But when you wake up in the morning, the soul is already clear, generally speaking. So, and, and you know, this is going to relate to those of you that are going to say, look, I just can't get a day. Okay, if you can't get a day, how much time can you get in the morning? How much time can you get in the morning if you get up at 6? How much time can you get in the morning if you get up at 5? How much time can you get in the morning if you get up at 4? Oh, you say, George, you've got to be joking. 4? Go to bed at 8. So we wake up in solitude. Now, I'm talking a day... But you may only be able to get an hour, and that's okay. We're getting there. So a basic, a basic principle here is start with what you've got. It's like fasting. Don't start with 40 days and 40 nights. Start with one meal. And with solitude, start where you can start. Start what, what feels possible to you. And as you connect with God... Your 
appetite for this will grow. Now, it may be in your thought to get up at four in the morning, you just think, you know, this is just... Can you believe that the time can come when your problem is waiting until four in the morning? Because you get up in the middle of the night, especially when you're my age, to go to the bathroom. You get up to go to the bathroom and you get back into bed and you feel the desire to get up and be with God. That's a desire within you to get up and be with God. That is the most precious, the most beautiful, the most glorious time of the whole day, to get up in the morning and be with God. It isn't some kind of discipline. It isn't some kind of sad thing. It isn't some kind of beating yourself up. It's a hunger, a delight for the presence of God. And you say, the discipline is to go back to bed. Because if you get up, you're going to be exhausted in the rest of the day. So go back to bed, George. It's not 4 o'clock yet. Now, if you get to bed at 9, you get up at 5. You know. So again, we're not talking legalism here. And the danger of sharing, Brett's absolutely right. The danger of sharing specifics is you know, copying the specifics. The specifics are just thought opportunities to build on your own um, experience. We wake up in solitude and so we want to preserve that experience as we go into the day, that condition of solitude. Now, next point for me is a place. Where am I going to spend this day of solitude? Or if it's not a day, some hours, or a period, what's my place? So I have a study. And my study is my prayer room. So in my study, I have my cross. In my study, I have an icon of Patrick. I didn't, some friends gave this to me. They themselves drew the icon. I've got a picture from Hagia Sophia in Istanbul of the mosaic of Christ. I have these things, I have my books. My study is where I have my day of solitude. That's my place. I study. I love it in there. I love it in there. Now, I have to go past my study to get to the kitchen. So my first, my first stop when I get up in the morning, whether it's four, whether it's five, whether it's six, depends on when I went to bed, depends on how tired I am. Seems like I'm usually tired. My first stop is a coffee machine. That's my first stop. Thank you, Jesus, for the coffee. My second stop is the refrigerator because Hannah makes for me the night before a special cereal. She goes to Sprouts. She gets, I don't even know what she gets, but it's really good. 
yogurt, cereal, coffee, into my study. So the, the state of solitude is preserved. And while I'm having my breakfast, I'm listening to the Psalms on my iPod, which is now my iPad. So my iPad is a key, key part of my experience with solitude is coffee, and a key experience now has become my iPad. Now, you don't have to have an iPad, and you don't have to have coffee. I'm just giving you some, <laughs> some context for all this. So I start off with listening to the Psalms being sung. I keep wondering, when am I going to get tired of that? You know, I've never gotten tired of it yet. Listening to the Psalms being sung. Choose a place. Be comfortable. It's important to be comfortable. Avoid noise. Except perhaps the gentle sounds of nature. Now, here's where we're different. Some of you might like to go to nature. You may say, look, I want to be in nature for my quiet day. Wonderful. Where I live, particularly this summer, it's really hot, real early. And I've already had one spot of skin cancer, so I just have to be careful. I'm not as much of an outside person as Hannah is. Hannah just nature, you know. That's her place, nature. Why is nature so healing? Nature is not rebelling against its creator. <laughs> if you're in nature, it's not rebelling against its creator. When we're, with other, when we're with man, we're all rebelling against that creator. Nature's not doing that. Healing being nature. So here again, I think Brett was sharing with his walks his dog or dogs. I'm just sharing with you mine. You find what's right for you. But the point, here's a, here's a key point in all this. We are seeking to avoid distractions because this is a time of focus. Avoid the distractions that are numbing out the voice of God. Fast from the phone, email, internet, and work. You are not subject to that cell phone. You are not subject to the internet. The email can wait. Don't take work. Now, Brett shared that with us also. Once you're taking work with you, you're not in solitude. You might be alone and quiet, but you're working. There's nothing wrong with working. And actually, there are times, in my experience, I'm going to talk about this in a minute, but Hannah and I, well, let me... You know, I decided some time ago, because when we talk about solitude, we need to ask ourselves, what does my soul need every day? What does my soul need every week? What does my soul need every month? What does my soul need every year? So I decided some years ago, I decided, look, there's nobody that's going to tell me 
what I'm allowed to do when it comes to solitude. That's my situation. Your situation probably different. But I just, you know, my whole adult life, God has given me discretion over my time. It's just, I, I didn't plan that, but he did. I've always been in leadership. I always have been able to decide what I do and what I don't do. So I realized there isn't anybody going to tell me this. I have to decide what I'm going to do. Then I said, you know, I've worked for the same employer all my life, namely God. So I think I deserve a European kind of vacation. So I'm taking a month every year vacation time. How do I want to use this vacation time? So Hannah and I just immediately agreed. It didn't even take a discussion. We want to use it in solitude. So we go away one week every quarter, quiet week, one week a quarter. Now you may think, oh my gosh, that, that's fine. You don't have to do that. This is not legalism. But I want you to know that one week away is, I mean, it's lifeblood. I don't know what we would do without it. We, we schedule our whole we have got a quiet week scheduled until December 2012. They're already scheduled. They're that important to us. It's not because we're spiritual. You may think, boy, you're really spiritual. It's not because we're spiritual. It's because we're unspiritual that we need it so much. And we go to Santa Rita Abbey. It's the high desert. There's no cell phone. There's no internet. It's hot in the summer, and in the winter, it's kind of cool. And there are about 12 nuns there, and there's snakes and coyotes and deer, bugs, quiet. And... When I'm there, I'm talking about work now. When, when I'm there, don't take any work with you. Often, after four or five days, I'm writing. Because I'm just full of it. I don't know. I'm just full. And I feel like God's saying to me, write some of this stuff. So I take my computer with me. It's not connected, but you know, I got my hard drive. Now, what do you do in solitude? What do you do? Be alert to the condition of your soul. What does your soul need? Now, for some of us, we're not in touch with our soul. That's okay. So in solitude, we start getting in touch with our soul. That is a glorious discovery that you have a soul. It's a wonderful thing to have a soul. It's a glorious thing to have a soul. Your soul is divine. Your soul is sacred. Your soul is created in the image of God. Your soul is the You're human. You're a human being. You can feel some of God's emotions with your soul. You can love some of the things that God loves with your soul. You can be human. Be a human being.
with your soul? What does your soul need? Now, if you're going to start your quiet time at 3 in the afternoon, your soul needs quiet to settle. And again, it's this picture. I know I've said this before. It's this picture of, you know, if you go out in the, if you go out in the forest and there's a spring that's coming up from the ground, water, and you take a stick and you stir it around, mud and leaves and twigs, the water gets muddy. And so it takes time for all that to settle. But if you give it time, it'll settle and the water will become clear again. I'm going to tell you about my tears in a minute. The, um, I've got a problem with my eyelids. They're not <clears throat> clearing the natural tears in my eyes. So that's how, why I have to wipe my eyes every now and then. And your soul is that way. You see, when you, when you start solitude at 3 in the afternoon or whenever, you know, your soul needs time to clear from all the noise, all the input, all the whatever. So our soul needs to be quiet. We need to go and sit. Maybe this is a time to sit in nature. Just be. You see, we need to learn how to be. We're not human doings. We're human beings. But the culture is forming us into this being, 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 doing, 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 doing. So there was a time in my life when I knew enough to know that Hannah and I needed a break. So we would go for a break. Within 24 hours, I was in this compulsivity, 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 do, 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 do. And I felt totally worthless because I wasn't doing. She suffered because of that. Just my immaturity. I called it spirituality. So there's all kind of things that are called spiritual. It's actually just simply immaturity in the person. I'm an example of that. So <clears throat> what does your soul need? Now, when the soul gets clear, so we, we need to learn in solitude to do nothing. But when the soul gets clear, you get to the point where the soul needs input. So that might mean the discipline of study. So for example, for me, uh, in the morning, what I do, I've, after I finish my psalms, and I finish my breakfast, then I pray from the psalms, more psalms, and then I read from the gospels, and then I have my time of prayer, and then I have an hour of study. And my hour of study is just glorious. It's, it's, it's all a part of the feeding of my soul, of the forming of my soul. And that length of time that I'm talking about there, you know, if I can get what I want, that will take three to four hours. Three to four hours. And if I can get three to four hours in the morning, and certainly mornings I can't get that. 
If I can get three or four hours in the morning, I am just full and ready for the day. Now, you're going to be different. Just because George said three or four hours doesn't mean that. What is it that your soul needs? Because where is your soul right now? So this is a key thing. This is a key thing. We are being prepared for eternity. And somebody uh, said this uh, yesterday, I think. I think it was uh, Amy. What we get out of this life is the person we are becoming. That's what we get out of it. And the person we are becoming is the person we will carry into eternity. So what kind of person do you want to be in eternity? Jesus told the parable of the ten minas. And the steward that was faithful was given responsibility over more. The steward that was given... So what responsibility are we going to carry in eternity? The, the, the thing is not so much how many great things do we do for God on this earth. The real thing is when we stand face to face with Jesus, what is he going to say and what is he going to give us to do in his eternal kingdom? We're being prepared for that now. The preparation is the person we are becoming in Christ-likeness. That's the preparation. And again, this, this thing that just buzzing in me last night, Matthew 7. Brothers and sisters, it would be a sad story to talk about how many Christian ministries were blown out of the water and how many Christian men and women were blown out of the water. We're getting, I'm hearing things like 70% of all Christian leaders do not finish well. Why is that? God have mercy on me. I want to finish well. One of my prayers, Lord, keep me from becoming an ugly old man. I want to be a beautiful old man. I've known some old men that were beautiful. Just see Jesus in them. That's what I want to be. Do this in me, Lord, by your mercy. So, uh, what does your soul need when you're in uh, solitude? Be alert to the condition of the soul. In the day at supper time, how to have a day of solitude in the day at supper time, or earlier. So now let's talk about your situation. You say, look, George, what you're talking about is just, you know, it's just not realistic. I can't get a day. I can't get from supper time to supper time. I can't do that. Okay. What can you get? Can you get from supper time until lunchtime the next day? Well, you're saying no. Can you get from supper time till nine in the morning? No. What can you get? Can you get until eight in the morning? So if, if, if a person were to go to bed early, 
and get up at 6 and be with God until 8. That's two hours. What can God do in two hours? Five days a week. What would be the condition of your soul after one year of two hours every morning, five days a week, for one year? What would be your desires after that? Would you say, forget this, you know, this is boring. Or would you say, you know, I wonder if I can get two and a half hours. Now, to go to bed early, we have to not Go out in the evening. So, so that doesn't mean never go out in the evening, but it means we're far more choosy about what we do in the evening. It might mean turning off the television. I don't know what it means. It might mean not answering email. Just because somebody else decided to send you an email, that does not require you to send them an email. You can choose. So this subject about which we're speaking is so important. Okay, final point. Final point. Consider what your soul needs daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly. What does your soul need? Now, my practice is daily, weekly, quarterly. That's my practice. We have friends that are Austrian. They're Catholic. And they have a yearly discipline. They go away from, for Ignatian retreat uh, once a year to a monastery in Germany near Heilbronn. So that's part of their practice. So you may not be able to get something quarterly or even something monthly. What about something yearly? So I think the thing to do now is to pull back and say, where am I right now? And how can I start? How can I start? And what is my motivation? My motivation is to be with God that he might form me in his likeness. How can I start? And as I start and begin to experience the effects of being with God, this practice is going to grow. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will give us understanding. Each one of us is different. Lord, it just comes to me to pray for mothers with small children. I have no idea how this works with them. Deliver us from legalism. Deliver us from judging somebody else. Free us, Lord, to delight in your presence and give us understanding to know how to structure our time. Free us from 
allowing the culture to form us. Make us men and women that are formed in your presence and therefore filled with love and compassion and mercy toward our culture. Lord Jesus, take these words from a clay pot and use them for your glory. We pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.